Unity of Farmington Hills, a positive path for spiritual living. No shadow comes without the light making a way. No raging storm can never defy one word of faith. My heart remains sure in the wind, sure in the waves. You Let's give him another hand. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I love these flowers. Pat brought these flowers. Thank you, Pat. These are so pretty. Aren't they pretty? 
These are my favorite, one of my, those and roses are my favorite flowers. Oh, okay, let's get started. We have to um, get going to our meeting, so we're going to jump right in. Uh, do I remember my joke? Oh, I remember my joke. Okay. <laughs> my mind has been a little bit crazy. I've um, been up all night. You know, sometimes you can't sleep. I've been up all night. So there was a lawyer and the Pope passed away at the same time and ended up in heaven. And uh, they met uh, Peter at the pearly gates, and uh, I'll pass these out at the same time. And he walked them down to their homes in heaven. Here are Alex. And uh, so he took the Pope to this shack. And in the shack was just one table and one bedroom, and it just was just kind of simple, nothing ba just basic and kind of simple. But then he took the lawyer down a little bit ways, and he had a beautiful house, huge mansion, with all decked out with everything. And the lawyer was like, um, wait a minute, I think you might have messed up because uh, I'm in this beautiful home, but what about the Pope? The Pope's in a shack. And St. Peter said, yeah, we have dozens of Popes. You're the first lawyer we've ever had. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> It's only a joke. <laughs> Any popes listening, it's only a joke. <laughs> oh, man. So, a couple weeks ago, I read this article that came to me. You know, I get the, the Unity News, and I read this article that, um, I have it here. Let me remember the name of it. Um, Reverend Kelly Isola so I can't forget her name. She wrote this article called Service Was, part, Service Was Always a Part of the Journey. And the article talks about Myrtle Fillmore, who is the co-founder of Unity, and how her ministry really entailed the fifth Unity principle, which is that it's not enough to know the truth, you must also live it, right? So as I was thinking on what to speak on today, the title came to me, A Stronger Expression of Love. You know, we're moving into Valentine's Day, and I know I shifted things around. Did you guys used to do love in February? Is that right? Did you guys used to do love in February? And now we're doing strength. So I figure we can still talk about some love. Since we're going into Valentine's Day, we can talk about some love. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, God, um, so God's working with me with this, right? And how is it connected to unity? Because I know God's going to connect those dots on how it's connected to unity, right? So then uh, Faith sends me a text message that says, Have you, did you see this? Because it's, a, um, it's exactly what you've been talking about and what you said you want the, our ministry to go into. And it's the same article, right? And there's some things in the article because it's he, she's talking about moving into a space of living the truth that you know. She's talking about how there are ways that churches can show up, right? So I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about Myrtle Fillmore, and I was thinking about how unity started in the first place. And I was like, wow. Unity started because Myrtle Fillmore was going through this deep experience of 
feeling like she was going to die from tuberculosis. She had been living with it all her life, ever since she was younger. And she had the experience that maybe this time is, she was told that she had a bad uh, um, prognosis where she was going to be leaving the earth soon in the physical form going into spirit. So a friend of hers suggested that she go to this talk that a new thought facilitator was giving. She heard something there that changed her mind, changed her life, changed her whole consciousness forever. She heard, I am a child of God, and I do not inherit sickness. And when, she, and, and when she walked out, she walked out of there already starting to transform. And there was a shift right there in her consciousness. And she moved into releasing the consciousness that she was going to be an invalid for the rest of her life, which is what she grew up with. How can you be an invalid when you are a child of God who does not inherit, inherit illness or sickness? And so that shifted her and transformed her into praying from a different perspective. It shifted her into a stronger expression of love through prayer. And not only did that shift her that way, she went home and she took that prayer and she prayed over her whole, life, her whole body, her life, her consciousness, shifted everything. And see, strength, which we, are, which we are experiencing, speaking about in the month of February, strength talks of, is our ability to stand in endurance, to persevere, to stay the course, to persist. And she kept praying, even when her symptoms didn't shift right away, she kept praying over every part of her body, every thought, every story, everything that she was told that, that confirmed what her body was experiencing, the healing opportunity that her body was experiencing, and she shifted. And after two years, she healed her body. She stepped into a stronger expression of love because as she united her mind and consciousness, consciously becoming aware of the divine blueprint that she was, a child of God that does not inherit illness, she shifted how she loved herself. When you think you're going to be sick all the time and you have that consciousness in your mind, you love yourself differently. You walk through this world feeling weak and frail and as if you're all, any minute now, you're going to have some type of illness. Some type of uh, episode is going to come over you. And so you don't stand in the truth at the who you are. You don't love yourself that way. You're in a space of fear. You're not even honoring the expression of God that you are until you get this one thing that shifts you for the rest of. But that wasn't the end. After she healed her body, she began to pray with other people. And she realized that a major part of our healing, all of us, a major part of our healing is when we give sacred service and acts of kindness to others. Because as you constantly do that, you're mastering that very thing that you've learned because you're over and over teaching other people the same thing. So you become the vibration of the consciousness of God that Jesus was and still is. Nothing moved Jesus, even the temptation, the nervousness that he was about, what he was about to go through, didn't move Jesus. He immediately said, pray with me, and shifted into a higher expression of love by saying, pray with me. 
to his best friends, John, Peter, and James. Myrtle Fillmore said that it is not always best for a person to continue doing that which he likes to do or that for which he has been trained. Now, this is doing the same thing over and over again. Because the same thing that you do over and over again keeps you in the same space. She says we need to round out to develop all of our faculties and powers to do what, that which brings us close to humanity. Now, this is the thing. We are here as spiritual expressions of God to express the divine ideas of God. And as we express the divine ideas of God, we're here to express it with each other. So Christ speaks to Christ to bring out Christ, to create the experience of heaven on earth. That's what we're here to do. So as we draw close to other people in humanity, she says it increases what the world needs most. I'm here to say today that this week I'm committed to moving into a higher expression of love wherever I am, gauging from God what the world needs most. And not what I think it needs, but what God is telling me, what I feel and hear from the inside out. I'm here to truly, truly, let's read this. It is not enough to understand spiritual teaching We must live the truth we know. Say that again. We must live the truth we know. One more time. We must live the truth we know. I am committed to living the truth that I know, which means praying not only for me, but extending it out because unity has become what um, Reverend Kelly has been saying and said in her article is that unity has become an I-centric more so. Now we are in unity. We do hold ourselves accountable and responsible for the things that are happening in our life because we know thoughts held in mind produce after their, after their kind. But we're also responsible and accountable for the energy that we put out and tap into someone else. Unity is a movement that's here to help others, to teach others, to pull out of others the Christ consciousness that they can be the same thing that you learn to be. That they can see themselves through the eyes of God. That is my commitment to help people see themselves through the eyes of God. And in this space, when you move into a space of love, the highest expression of love is what I want us to touch this week. It's not going to be easy. Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Now, when Jesus Jesus is saying a true children of your Father in heaven, what Jesus is talking about, see, heaven is the consciousness of spirit, that spiritual consciousness where you know, understand, and feel the presence of God. It's a spiritual consciousness that does not see someone acting out at you and gets angry at that person. It's the consciousness that sees the Christ in that person hurting and hurting people because that person is hurting. And seeing past the actions and the do, the, the, the not charging the deed on the person, 
but seeing past the deed to the doer. Does that make sense? I uh, have had those moments. Sometimes the person that you need to love, who may be an enemy, is a person who is really close to you, family. Might have hurt you. Might have been your husband. Might have been your mother. Might have been your father. Might have been your children. My daughter, you've heard, you guys have heard me say, my daughter and I did not have the best relationship for a long time. And it, 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 it dug at me a little bit. And sometimes I, um, I would get the consciousness that I'm not a good mother. And that hurt. And she would say it too sometimes. You know, you know how to say things to hurt people. And you don't do it on purpose, but it still hurts, you know? And she's little saying this to me, but my daughter's saying to me, it still hurts. It may be 12, 13, but, you know, going in those teenage years. But it still hurts, right? Even though they're younger, and you know not to listen to it. I used to say, Daddy, I, I, we, my daddy would send us to our room, and I, we used to say, I hate you, Daddy. And my daddy would be like, you better be glad I don't hate you. I wasn't in that space where I had that sense of humor that I could say, you better be glad I don't hate you. I would break down every time Ashley would say something mean to me. It hurt me to the core because I was trying my best to be the best mother to her. And I was already going through the disease to please. I already had the insecurities going on. I already had those things in my space where I needed to be perfect because if I'm perfect, Alex, then you'll love me because you see I'm perfect and I'll prove to you that I'm worthy because you smile at me or you show me happiness. It's not easy to show love to someone who's hurt you deeply. And I will confess, it took me a long time to actually come up to her without my guard up. I always had my guard up. For four years, I had my guard up. Because I didn't want her, especially when she went away to college and sister girl could hurt. She could cut you up, and well, me anyway. And I feel like I was walking away in pieces. And then her father would sometimes chime in, and that made you feel worse. You know? You co-parenting, and you, that person doesn't even have your back either. It's like, what the world? You know? And I didn't grow up seeing that either. So then you, you're, you're already My parents co-parented together, and you didn't see them lashing at each other. You didn't see them saying, well, I need to take her away because instead of, let me stand and get your back, I'm going to take her away because you're fighting with her. You must not be a good mother. That hurts. And it took me four years to get to the point where I could literally hug my daughter and melt in her arms. Does that make sense? I hugged her like this, like away from me. I couldn't hug her and hold her, and I wanted to hold her. And some of us are still having those kind of experiences. Now, it may not be your daughter, it may be somebody else, who someone hurt you, and they may be the person who is the enemy. Now, that's why this is a stronger experience of love. I don't know about you, but that song, What the World Needs Now, is Love, Sweet Love. (laughs) 
It seems like that's what's going on. The world, but the kicker is the world already has it. What the world needs now is a stronger experience of love. But it starts with us. It starts with us. That song, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be love, the expression of love on earth, a stronger, not, let's keep going, let's keep going. It, um, this says, for he gives his sunlight. So this is what Jesus is saying. When you're in a consciousness of love, true love, spiritual love, seeing the person for the Christ that they are, there's nothing they can do that will change you from loving, the, expressing love to them. There's nothing that you, they, they could do because Christ is seeing Christ and there is no judgment in Christ. And then you remember that God, what does he say? God lets the sunshine, the sunlight uh, shine on both evil and the good doer. And the evil is only the person who's living backwards. That's all. That's all. It rains on the just and the unjust. God treats everybody. God is spirit. There is no emotion in spirit. There's only peace in spirit. Wouldn't it be amazing if you always moved in a space of peace? Wouldn't that be amazing? No matter what's going on in your life, you're always in a space of peace. This peace is deep. Can we read 41? If you only, I'm not only one. <laughs> if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. Yeah, when you think about that, really? It is easy to love those who are, like my, my son, he was easygoing. He, he loved hugging his mama, talking to his mom. We didn't have those issues. So it was easy to love him. My lesson was to shift and, and sh let go. First of all, you got to release how you're seeing yourself because it hurt because of the things that she was saying, the things her father was saying, I believed in myself. So if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Seriously. So when we have our Valentine's Day, and we're hugging in around those who we love, but not sharing love to those who are not the most loving or the most easy to be around, what good is that? Seriously. Myrtle Fillmore believed in going past and doing what the world needs. Those who are not loving and those who are not loving you need your love. That's just it, straight. And you need to give it because when you step in that, into that space of love, you become the expression of a higher vibration of spirit, which is the truth of who you are. Don't you know your natural state of, of being, your nature is to love? Your nature is to love. And your natural state uh, of consciousness is peace. And your natural state of being is joy. I am joy, together. I am joy. I am God's joy, together. I am God's joy. So I, I'm challenging us to move into that space where we love those who may not be the easiest to love. So, well, my daughter, she's 26 now. When my daughter was 23, no, she was 22. She was 22. I had committed myself to this. This, this, is, this is something I've worked on. I'm not telling you guys to do this, and I haven't done it, but I worked on this. And I called her up, and I probably told you guys, 
And I told her how proud I was that she was living up in Kalamazoo by herself. She's in, she wasn't even coming home when school was out. She was staying up there and working and doing her thing. And she was having a lot of issues and she was struggling. But she's staying. She was in a high vibration of strength. My, my daughter is persistent and she was doing it. And I called her and I said, Ashley, I love you so much. I just want you to know how proud I am that you are up there doing this by yourself, living on your own and finding your way. You've been in accidents. You've had people hurt you. You've been attacked. You, but you still want to get out there and finish school and do this on your own. I said, you are so strong. She said, mommy, I get it from you. I said, when we get home, I want to have time together. And she came over and she spent the night. And I told her, I, I, I forgave her and I, told, I asked her to forgive me because I said mean things to her too when I was hurting. And I said, I'm sorry. I, I said, I apologize. I did, I, I'm learning better and I'm knowing better now. I said, you weren't easy, and I didn't have a manual for you, and I felt so insecure. I was lashing out every time I messed up. And, she, and I told her about how we would have these IEPCs for her and everything, and about different things that were going on that were written down. She didn't remember that stuff. And I, and I told her, but you know what? I still love you, and I loved you then. It was just hurting me because I couldn't be the kind of mother that you wanted. And she said, you were. She said, you always were. I just didn't know how to say it. And then she went home. Her daddy had all of the records and all of the stuff. He showed her everything on how she was. And she called me up and asked for my forgiveness because she said, I was hell and you stayed there anyway. She said, please forgive me. I didn't know I was that way. We didn't tell her. We didn't tell her what the reports were or anything because she didn't need to know. All she needed to know was she was doing good and she was doing good, and that's all I told her, is she was doing good. But she read through everything, all the psychological reports, everything, how she was acting when she was in therapy. We kept it all the way to when, when she first started, which was four years old. She saw her actions, how she had hit me, all of this stuff, how she had thrown stuff at me. She was like, I can't believe I did that. Will you please forgive me? When you shift and you move into a stronger expression of love, even when you're going through your own stuff. I was going through my own stuff, but when you're going through healing, the fifth unity principle isn't, oh, I'm going to compartmentalize it. You do it all at the same time because God will be there for you. You can stretch into a stronger expression of love, and you can be that presence of love, and you can hold on. And I held on, and her psychologist told me that she, when she was younger, she taught, her psychologist said, she was acting, she'll act out and be that way with you because she knows you won't go anywhere. She knows you won't call her out because I had gotten to the place where I knew not to say certain stuff and I just kept myself in the place of not saying no certain, even though she kept acting up. But her psychologist said, you are her rock. I thought it was her dad because her dad could give her all the stuff I couldn't give her. And that's what made me feel so bad because I couldn't give her all the stuff he could give her. He has a lot of money, but I stayed home because I wanted my baby to be okay. And I was the one that was there and my 
father said, nobody could have been a better mother than you. My father said, you gave her God. You gave her consistency. You gave her love. Even when she acted up, even when she was living with her dad, I was there for her birthdays, for everything, hugging her. But after the 20, when she turned 23, I hold my baby now. I hold her. And I let her hold me. When you move into a deep space of love and you shift all that stuff away about yourself, and no matter who the enemy is, you realize it's you, you move into a stronger expression of love. Amen. Amen. I want to move past this. I want to move into what Martin Luther King Jr. was saying. I was listening to one of his uh, sermons. It was actually the last sermon that he spoke on a Sunday, and it was called Remaining Awake During the, a Great Revolution. And he said, we must all learn to live together as brothers or we will perish together as fools. We are tied together in the single garment of destiny, caught in an inescapable network of um, mutuality. And whatever affects one directly affects all. When I was at home healing, going through my transformation, going through my shifts, shifting out of my insecurities, shifting into a stronger expression of love for myself. My baby was doing the same thing in Kalamazoo. We're connected. We are connected. As you shift through whatever it is that worried you, upset you, disappointed you, or made you feel resentment or anger or whatever towards whoever it is that you love that hurt you or whoever it is in this world is acting up that makes you go, what the world? When you shift, they shift. It's connected. He goes on to say, for some strange reason, I can never be what I ought to until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the way of God's universe. This is the way God's universe is made. He says, this is the way it is structured. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me. I promise you that whatever it is that you're shifting into moving into a stronger expression of love towards yourself and then going out and expressing it in a space of prayer and forgiveness is what Jesus said. Pray for your enemies, those who've hurt your feelings or those. And sometimes they're not your enemy, but you feel they feel like you're their enemy. And so they act towards you. You still pray for them. You still pray for them with the eyes of love and spirit. And Christ, don't you know it stretches you past your comfort zone? And as it stretches you past your comfort zone, you move into a high expression of and deeper move into your nature. And when you move deeply into your nature, you feel healthy on all levels because you are harmonizing with the spirit of Christ within you, with the universe and all things good. And every divine idea of God starts to open itself up inside of you. Amen. Amen. Nelson Mandela said that as I walked out of the door, walked towards the door that would lead me to freedom, to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. He wasn't treated the best in jail. But when he became the president of South Africa, 
Those same jailers, those same people in jail, he sent them an invitation, gave them a cushiony seat in the front row and treated them with love. Every single one of them standing, sitting in the front row, treating them with love because he knew that if he stayed in that space, you, you jail yourself in your mind, reliving it and li- uh, over and over again and reliving the feelings that are connected to the stories. Why not walk in the freedom of joy and love? Why not free yourself? Isn't that amazing? All those people who treated him were in the front row, cushiony seats, VIP. I wonder what they felt. I wonder what they were thinking. How could you treat me so loving after what I've done to you? Another person, Stephen, who was a disciple of Jesus, he's being stoned because he's standing up for God, for truth, following Jesus. And as they stoned him, can you say that with me, what he said? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and he said, what? Now this is while they're killing him with stones. He's saying this together. Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And then he died. How strong do you have to move into a space of love to literally be saying as a person is hitting you in the head with a huge stone, Lord, please don't charge them with this sin. I love you anyway. I love you anyway. Can we say this together? As the sunshine brings out the colors in beauty, so the light of love brings out Christ's virtues in people. So love, love, love. I will love, love, love. Together, I will love, love, love. And I promise you, when you reconcile, which means to reverse and become one with, you're not reconciling with the person's consciousness of of personality. You're remembering who you are in Christ, and you're remembering who the other person is in Christ, and you're acknowledging the oneness that you are with them. And as you acknowledge the oneness that you are with them, you're waking up the spirit of love in you. And as you wake up the spirit of love in you, you're moving into a space of healing. And when you move into a space of healing, you experience joy. You experience joy beyond what you could ever feel, beyond what you would ever know. But if you hold on to that grudge, you won't ever experience freedom. That was one of the biggest things I had to do. And forgiving my second ex-husband, that was huge for me. I thought, and this is the thing, you think somebody is the love of your life. He wasn't. God is the love of my life. And when I moved into a space of maturity in my relationship with God, I was able to release that and let it go because it hurt. And I could free myself up to be an expression of God with uh, expression of love with God 
and experience God through love and open myself up for a deeper experience of love and marry my best friend. When you shift yourself out the way, God propels you forward into every good thing and it's sitting there waiting for you. It's sitting there waiting for you, no matter how it looks when you first see it. He was dating someone, I was dating someone. We were friends. And God moved them out of the way and moved us into each other's lives even deeper. But God is first. And then my experience of me. And then as I charge myself up with my experience of God in me and love, I can give a greater love to my husband, to you guys, to my kids, to my world. I am ready to move into a stronger expression of love even more. Are you? Yes. I am ready to be a stronger expression of God. Together? I am ready to be a stronger expression of God. I am ready to be a stronger expression of love. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's it. You were reaching through the storm, walking on. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and uplifted you. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings, but still want to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page at www.unityfh.com donate.